Here's Neymar now. Cavani is there. And Saint-Étienne has surely won it in the 89th minute. Calou for Cavano. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty for Florian Tomac. Kylian Mbappé wraps it up. Bonjour et bienvenue. Welcome along to Le Beau Jeu, your official League Arm podcast. Coming up, Neymar fires PSG clear at the top as Marseille struggle without Dimitri Payet. Lyon continue their fine form in 2020, but there are more problems for Monaco, who slipped down to 13th after a home thrashing by Strasbourg. Joining me this morning on the pod, I have uh, Robbie Thompson. How are you, Robbie? I'm very well, thank you, Matt. Good, good morning, everyone. Better than your six-year-old boy who's, who's off school, unfortunately, today. Exactly. He's got a bit of a fever, so I've, I've, I've threatened him to not, make, to, to not make any noise, and he's sitting there watching cartoons in his bedroom. That's so he's good. fine. Very good education. Uh, David Crossan is with me this morning. Yeah, morning. I, I think um, those cartoons are probably more entertaining than the game I commentated yesterday. Oh, Dave. Dave is not in uh, a good mood. He was so positive last week, but, but the old David Crossan is back after commentating Nantes against Bordeaux. We'll hear more about that later, but uh, making a, a rare appearance because we haven't seen much of An- Andy Scott recently, but I'm delighted to welcome our, our Scottish uh, French football expert. Hi, Andy. Hi, Matt. I think that's why Dave's so unhappy because I'm sitting very close. Yeah, well, that's actually improving my mood, Andy. <laughs> There's a bit of microphone sharing going on, but uh, Andy um, has uh, inflicted a very late record on us this morning because he's, uh, I don't know if it's problems with the metro or the bikes or just getting up this morning because you were commentating last night, late last night. It was um, a big game between the teams that finished in the top two last season, Lille and Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, before we hear your thoughts, Andy, let's hear your commentary from uh, the Stade Pierre Mora. Neymar for Venati, back to Neymar again. Neymar curls it, what a brilliant goal that is. They've not threatened, really. And then all of a sudden, up pops the brilliant Brazilian, the world's most expensive footballer. Superb goal. It's his 14th of the campaign. Brilliantly one bite by Renildo high up the field. Ozzyman, can he get the shot away? Nearly the equaliser for Victor Ozzyman. There's a hand from Renildo, in fact. Well, he has saved uh, half a dozen penalties in his time, Mike Menon, including from uh, the likes of Memphis Depay, Radamel Falcao, and Nabil Fekir. scores again, Mignon got a big, big hand on it and still the ball found its way into the net Mbappe off target that's not really been killing Mbappe's evening Well Andy, Paris Saint-Germain uh, winning it by two goals to nil, we, we saw the, the, the cat fantastique lined up again, Di Maria Icardi, Mbappe and Neymar but uh, they were uh, overshadowed really by by Neymar's performance, exceptional, and uh, we heard in the commentary there, Kylian Mbappe not having not having the best of nights. But I think it's fair to say none of the four did apart f- apart from Neymar. Yeah, he was the difference. Um, you know, it, it was it was a fairly tight game in many respects. Not a huge number of chances in open play. Mbappe was uh, a bit disappointing, frustrated a couple of times in the second half by um, by Mike Magnon. 
Neymar's first goal was just just the the, the difference between the teams really a, a piece of brilliance uh, took the ball down superbly exchanged passes with Marco Verratti and, and the finish was was something else the, the the penalty coming so early in the second half was very important as well because Lille like they had in the first half started quite well in the second half pressing high looking to pin PSG back and and you know they they were undone by that penalty and it was more or less game over after that um, it, it just underlines the difference between these two teams there are many differences between these two teams but PSG have a player like Neymar so when the others are not quite on their game he's on his game it, 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 that, that's all they need and Lille meanwhile just haven't really got that quality in the final third when you, you think back to the 5-1 game last season um, the, the famous 5-1 game towards the end of last season when PSG needed just a point to wrap up the title and came away with a heavy defeat there the worst defeat of the Qatar era it was all about Nicola Pepe in many respects he was brilliant in that game scoring goals setting them up obviously he's gone and Lille are not quite the same team without him didn't, so, didn't they lose 6-1 once in the, in the Qatar era? Uh, they may have that done, might but, have been not, in the but not in Ligue 1. We're talking here about Ligue 1. Yeah, we're talking about but Ligue 1. But it's funny, I, 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 I was looking back at that 5-1. Um, they were showing the highlights over, over the weekend and uh, Lille, uh, Lille were not really recognisable. And Nicola Pepe, actually, I've been watching him this season, wasn't recognisable from the, from the player that destroyed Paris Saint-Germain that day. But uh, Lille, you know, they're, they're, they're building a new team under Christophe Galtier and they, and they did show... Some promise in that respect, wouldn't you say, Andy? There was uh, there yeah. was a game plan. They tried yeah, to yeah, press yeah. PSG and, Com- and trouble com- them completely. Yeah, and actually, the, the game in midweek against Lyon in the in the Coupe de la Ligue, again they played quite well in that. Even if they lost on penalties, they're well organised. They've got a good defence. You know, they've got a very good goalkeeper. They've got a plan. They just aren't quite able to execute it at the moment because um, apart from Victor Ozymen, maybe the players in the final third. I know Dave sitting very close to me on my left is is a huge fan of um, Jonathan Ikone. Uh, or not, perhaps, and and you know they they maybe just you know they've not scored enough goals this season, and that that was uh, one of their problems last night. They just didn't really look like scoring goals, albeit of course against a, a, a very good side. But um, congratulations, by the way. I'm not sure if, if mentioning Nicola Pepe counts as a mention for Arsenal, but one of, one of the last podcasts I listened to, there was a mention from me before there was a mention for Arsenal. So. Yeah, well, I've had some complaints that I talk too much about <laughs> Arsenal. So I'm, I'm, I, and I, you know, you mentioned the A word. I, 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 I just yeah, said, I just I said, know. I haven't recognised Nicola Pepe from from last season. But, but Robbie, if we if we talk a bit about about PSG, uh, firstly, I was a bit disappointed. I'm going to get my barb back in that Andy Scott didn't recognise um, Neymar's celebration was um, a tribute to Kobe Bryant, who tragically died this weekend. Um, Neymar actually, he, he he said after the game that he was made aware of uh, Kobe Bryant's passing at half time when he was looking at social media, which which has surprised a few of us in the room that at half time he was looking at social media. Is that something that that happens? I think quite that, regularly? Well, I don't know if that happens. I'm not in the in the changing room at at half time either. But it is surprising to think. But th- there are a lot of other people that are in the changing room. That, that have their mobile phones. There, there are people that work ar- around the first team. There are, Neymar has his own physiotherapist and own doctor as well who are there, and they, they might have their telephone. They know that certainly Neymar was good friends with Kobe Bryant. There was a lot of respect between the two. They, they hung out together often. So, you know, I don't, I don't see why if something that tragic has happened that you wouldn't tell someone that knows him. Yeah, maybe um, I've just got this image of uh, Thomas Tuchel saying, okay, Ney, that's really good, but you've got to track back and help help Diallo out. And he's like, oh, hang on a minute. I've just seen something on Twitter. Yeah, um, it is a Bryant's bit surprising. It is, and I find it a little bit hard to believe that he was actually on his telephone 
at half time, especially with the team just leading by a goal to nil. Mario Balotelli managed to do a tweet during a match, didn't he? Or he gave someone his password. So he I'm, tweeted I've, during the match. I've seen players train, but their official Twitter feed has also been <laughs> pumping out output at the same time. So Yeah, but he knows? obviously was aware of it. Olivier Talleron, the, who's the Canal Plus uh, pitch side reporter, said just before kickoff, the, pl- the club have deliberately avoided telling the players, in particular Neymar, because they don't want him upset by the news. But, I mean, the, the news only broke about 15 minutes before kickoff, and I find it very hard to believe that anyone in the first team or in the club who, who were there preparing for a game 15 minutes before kickoff was aware of anything that was happening outside of the, their immediate surroundings at the Stade Pierre Mauroy. I find it very difficult to think, unless someone word has got through to Neymar's entourage inside the dressing room for that half time but well it is surprising i mean psg looked looked pretty focused uh, in terms of, of their performance they lined up with this 424 we could call it it was verati and uh, idrissa gay in the midfield some changes at the back with uh, with marquinhos out at the moment they had abdou diallo at left back instead of instead of bernat and they had um, kimpembe in the middle with with thiago silva um Dave, can we read too much into it? I know what you've been saying all season. I think you're right. We can only judge PSG in February when they come up, up against Dortmund. But um, are there are there positive signs? One other thing I'll put to you is that Icardi hasn't scored in four games and he's suddenly gone very quiet. Yeah, it's true. Do we need to worry about well, that? Well, he has been quiet. Icardi because, is a quiet player until he scores. Because this is, I'm going to have to give Dave a bit more to feed off because he's not he's not very <laughs> chatty this morning. But Dave, do we 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 think that Cavani might be signing for Atletico Madrid in the next few days? Um, in the last few weeks, everyone's been, been sort of accepting that he's surplus to requirements. Icardi's incredible. Are we perhaps neglecting um, you know certain qualities that Edinson Cavani has? I think everyone's aware of his qualities and the, the way he works for the team and his PSG's record scorer and everything. But if he's not playing, I can understand why he's not happy and that he wants to play. He's, he's not ready to finish his career yet. Yes, of course, he'd be useful for PSG to have through until the end of the season. But they have to look at it as a whole. And I think for services that he's given them, given the club, if he really wants to go, then Leonardo's opened the door for it to happen. That happened last week. So why not let him go? Because I, I, I think Icardi might be a, a little... I think he's a very good player, but I think he might be a little bit of a flat-track bully and that in the big games against the big teams, Cavani has the movement and mobility that, that will open he's, up spaces for Historically, we've, we've done these sort of shows and we've said about Cavani missing chances when it's come down to the, the big Champions League games. It happened time and time again. So let, let's see what happens against Borussia Dortmund. I'd be more worried about the way Dortmund's new signing is playing rather than anything going on with PSG. And I'd be worried that Marquinhos might not be match fit by the time it comes around to that first leg in mid-February because he might only, we're hearing, get one game in or part of a game in before that Dortmund game. And he, as Thomas Tuchel keeps saying, he doesn't single out individuals that much, but one player he does all the time is Marquinhos. Too he many, always talks um, about his marquee. Thiago Silva came off well, that's what I was going to say yesterday as well. Yeah, a bit, of a bit of a groin problem. Apparently it's not too serious. But Robbie, are they, are they having too many late nights? This is what Thomas Tuchel says. He says, we're playing too many late matches. Uh, PSG play more games at, at nine o'clock on a Sunday night than any other team. Um, they also play the late game on Friday quite a lot. Um, and well, I can I can tell you that it's very very difficult playing all these late <laughs> games because when I've travelled away with the team in for Champions League matches away or for and when you come back with the team, you you basically leave the stadium at between twelve and twelve thirty. You head to the airport, then you have to go through the whole check in process, which can be if you've won away in another country 
can be very tedious because the, often that airport staff make life very difficult for you when you're trying to leave, leave the country after a Champions League game. You're on your plane at around 1.30 or 2 o'clock in the morning. Then you're flying back here. You land back in Paris at 3.30. Well, I you, think Andy Scott, out, I think Andy the Scott is, is evidence just not, You're getting back to your home is to at work 4.30, on a Sunday night. 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, yeah. And then at the moment, you're playing every three days. You literally get four hours sleep. You're back on the training pitch. And, and then you're, the next day is match day minus one. You're on the road again. And it's, that's the case. A, a word about Icardi as well with this frenetic time. He scored a hat-trick against Saint-Étienne in the Coupe de la Ligue quarterfinal, I think it was, a 6-1 victory. And then didn't score in four games. But that four games is over a period of about 13 days. He hasn't scored in 13 days after scoring a hat-trick. I think it's a little bit too but early he hasn't to scored since, since January the 5th. Like, is I could a, a flop. I, 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 no, but I suppose uh, if, if, maybe calling him a flat-track bully is unfair, but um, that Saint-Étienne team were very poor. And in, in the time since then, they've played Monaco twice. Monaco are you know, a better team than Saint-Étienne, shall we say. Lille, I think, are a better team than Saint-Étienne. And uh, Icardi hasn't played well. You but, know what I mean? But and what is Icardi's 18, game, Andy? 18, analyze analyze well, he, he, Mauro Icardi's he, game he, he, for he, me just he, very yeah. quickly. Icardi 19 is a penalty days. box finisher. Exactly. 19, 19 so days he needs angle. Fox in the box. He needs the ball to come. Every single goal he has scored, apart from one goal, which he scored, I'm trying to think against who, a Brest maybe, in the late on when he scored the winner against Brest, every single goal has been one touch. First touch, back of the net. He doesn't, he doesn't do more than that, so he needs the ammunition. So, if Neymar can do it all by himself, he's not looking so much for Mauro Icardi in the middle, perhaps. Kylian Mbappe wants to keep scoring, and perhaps Angel Di Maria is uh, focusing on covering and doing his bit defensive duties more, so there's less ammunition for Mauro Icardi. I, I don't think they have an issue, really, with Icardi. I think the problem is that you talk about, is Cavani really the better solution? Well, I think the Cavani thing is finished. Cavani is on his way, and even if for some reason the move doesn't happen before the transfer window shuts on, uh, on Friday evening... I think clearly his head is elsewhere. He's not going to be staying at the club any longer. And we need to kind of forget about Cavani now in terms of moving forward. Well, and I'm, not, I'm not ready. For it. Why, sorry, why is his head elsewhere, Andy? Well, I th- what, I think, what evidence do you have of that? No, because, because the, the point is looking forward to the long term, Edinson Cavani is not going to be the man for Paris Saint-Germain moving forward. I think that he has been a fantastic servant to the club. Whether either he leaves in the next few days or he leaves in the summer anyway, and the next few months might be quite difficult for him to to find a way back into the team. I think Paris Saint-Germain clearly now, Thomas Tuchel has his favourite four players, the Fantastic Four, who are going to be in that starting lineup up front, whether you like it or not. And Cavani, if he stays, will be a bit part player. And damned if you are, damned if you don't, everyone will criticise Leonardo if he doesn't prepare the post-Cavani, post-Thiago Silva eras Thiago Silva is also out of contract and hasn't well, that, signed a new deal. That is his job, isn't it? So. And exactly. Well, that's his job. So why why do we have to feel nostalgia and romanticism right. to try and keep these players? And off offer air, them new off air, before we start this, we were patting ourselves on the back, saying that compared to all of these other football chat shows, we're very consistent. We don't change what we say from week to week. Basically, we just repeat ourselves. But <laughs> a few weeks ago, everyone was after that hat trick against Saint Etienne. Everyone was saying, "Wow, they've got Icardi lined up. It's seventy million. The the clause in the loan deal exactly. for the option to buy, and it's a bargain. It's a bargain." So how? Two and a half I, weeks later, can you say I'm not, I'm, he, he doesn't deserve his place? I didn't. I said he's flat track bully, and I, I and I think 
against Dortmund, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't, let me finish. A track bully team then, I because be, they play teams that are much less, not as good as them. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with Wait, three. What's flat track bully referring to? I mean, I'm watching the cricket now. I'm pretending three, to listen to you. With three in attack. I wouldn't be surprised if Tuchel goes with uh, with three in, a, in, a, in attack against Dortmund. And... Um, because maybe he will feel that Icardi doesn't provide enough in terms got, of his... They haven't played a 4-3-3 for two months. Why would apart, you suddenly change just to a 4-3-3 fi- for the biggest match of the second half of the season? Well, we'll, we'll, Is that we'll, how it works, really? We'll see, won't we? We'll yeah. see. I just think if, Icardi, think if Icardi's not... The, the difference as well, if Icardi's not scoring goals, which he hasn't done in the last four games, he is contributing nothing. Does Icardi not do an awful amount of pressing compared to Neymar and Killian? Also, also and he that won- first defender and making runs, pulling defenders around. And he, of course, he, he effectively won the penalty last night with an awfully miscued header, which ended up hitting the arm of the Lille player and then didn't stop Mbappe getting his shot away. So what's that all about? I haven't changed my tune just to... <laughs> Just to reply to Dave about Edinson Cavani, I've always been a fan. I'm interested in the fact that Diego Simeone wants him, that Frank Lampard wants him, that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants him. Um, maybe but these are maybe these all teams that have, have their problems, aren't they? Absolutely. So they're turning to him because he's available. David Crossan has the Paris last Saint-Germain, word. I think they've scored 89 <laughs> goals so far this year in, in all competitions. They don't have a goal-scoring problem. They just scored three against Rams, is, Rob, they scored- who are the best defence in the land. Now they've scored two away to Lille, where Lille have not lost a match all season. That's Let's true. not forget that these are good results. Paris Saint-Germain scored 171 goals in Unai Emery's last season. So they, they're going to have to... Um, up the ante if they're going to. Well, they're about they're halfway reach through that. the season, and they have eighty-nine. That's about on track. They are ten points clear of Olympique de Marseille. Um, let's let's talk quickly about the Marseille game, but we will go quite quick because not a lot happened. Armel Tanguy is is still recovering, I think, from commentating. That's why he's not in this morning. Let's hear um, some of the action from Armel at the Orange Velodrome. Benedetto, a chance here for Nemanja Radonjic, and wide of the mark. The best chance of the game so far for Marseille. Just two shots on target in the entire encounter, both uh, from a Marseille perspective. Well, Marseille missing Dimitri Payet. Uh, they had uh, a few suspended players, didn't they? They had Boubacar Camara and Bounassar suspended. And um, not an awful lot happened. We heard uh, in, in the commentary just two shots on target in the game. And it's almost a case of Angers giving... Marseille a bit of a bit of their own medicine because Marseille went to Angers a few weeks back and said we're not going to play we're going to basically allow you the ball and we're going to you know see if we can nick a goal on the counter attack and that's what they did Angers came to the velodrome played uh, played very defensively and um, there is some suggestion that Marseille fans should perhaps be worried they nicked a victory last weekend or two weekends ago that perhaps was a bit um, undeserved against Rennes another sloppy performance. Uh, Two points dropped at home. Um, who am I going to go to here? Robbie wants to talk. Robbie, should, should well, Marseille fans be worried? against Ren. Um, and I also was uh, in Caen last weekend for uh, their game in the Cup against Granville, um, where they won it basically after a red card with 15 minutes left to play. And uh, in both those matches, they weren't a side that were riding that wave of confidence that everyone was talking about before Christmas, that this was a Marseille side in uh, in top form, I I don't think it's alarm times yet for for Andre Villas Boas, but and also 
the fact that you don't have Dimitri Payet, that you don't have Tovin, that you don't have Camara playing. That's a, and even Bunasar, who has been a, a, a go-to man, as you can all hear the uh, canary singing yeah. away in the background, probably. But I think it's, it's, there are always times in this season where things just go a little bit askew and they're still getting the results. That's important. They, they've snuck through in the Coupe de France. They got that win against Rennes, who were third on the table and yeah, still are just still behind are them. You know, that was an important behind result. Now, Ren. Yeah. You can have these moments in a season where things don't just all go The problem is, Robbie, well. next up for, for Marseille, they're away to Bordeaux, where they haven't won in 42 years. Ah, but Bordeaux, uh, well, they got a good win <laughs> no, yesterday. No, but I mean, they, they do have that five-point cushion over Rennes, but it could change very quickly, as we know. Well, it's not surprising, really, that they have these sort of setbacks because... I think again, just to repeat what I said a few weeks ago on this podcast, they are—they remain an ordinary <laughs> team. No one's making extravagant claims that they're a great team. That Andre Villas Boas is getting the best out of what is a, a thin squad, and when Dimitri Payet's not there, as he wasn't again against Angers, they lack that quality. Hopefully, Florian Tovan coming back in the next few weeks will help solve that problem from their point of view. Tovan, who's just turned twenty-seven, um, but. What we've got to watch for this week is, are they going to have that thin squad intact? Because there are persistent rumours in the French press. Uh, bizarrely, Payet linked with a move back to West Ham, which I don't get at all. But uh, Marseille really needs him. We know that they've appointed this chap, Paul Aldridge, mm. uh, with a view to selling players for good money to the English market. But well, that's, yeah, that's not what Marseille say. I mean, they're, they're, they've appointed... Paul, is it Paul Aldridge? Paul Aldridge, yeah. Paul Aldridge um, to, to work with Zubi Zaretta, the, the sporting director. And the French press are interpreting this as they're getting him to try to um, negotiate these deals with Premier League clubs that can, be, that can be very lucrative. And it is a bit of a strange coincidence that a few days later, Dimitri Payet's being linked with West Ham. Um, and by all accounts, Andre Villas-Boas, who says he wasn't aware of Aldridge's uh, arrival before he read about it in the press is not happy about it. So, you know, they've gone from a position of being completely stable in a really good position, yeah. everybody happy. But that seems to have been smoothed over a bit. He had a, a meeting with Jacques-Henri Ayrault, the, the president, and things seemed to be a bit better. But when um, the American investors came in, when Frank McCourt acquired the club, they were, they were talking about spending 100 million over three years, and they've already reached that. They have to be mm. careful with the UEFA financial fair play regulation. So that all of that is there and it's it's public knowledge that they was do need to... I thought it was 200 million they were, were going to spend over, it was 100. over four years. I thought it was 103. <laughs> well, 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 we'll find a journalist. Maybe a Holyman can check this. <laughs> yeah, well, Marseille, look, it wasn't it wasn't a great um, a great game for them, but... you know, we Bordeaux, they actually have Strasbourg at home in the cup as well which is uh, yeah. a nice little football match this Wednesday yeah well I don't think yeah it's certainly not right to say that they are big problems they've taken four points from their last two games they're still in a very healthy position one team not in a healthy position a team that David Croston swore on the last podcast would finish in the top three they're now 13th um, is, uh, is AS Monaco uh, AS Monaco played at home against Strasbourg now I remember about 12 months ago they, they got battered 5-0 or 5-1 at home by Strasbourg 5-1 yeah 5-1, and Thierry Omri got, got sacked soon after that. They've since sacked Leonardo Jardim. Robert Moreno is in. Here's what happened uh, at the Stade Louis de with Ian Holyman. Zoe is away from Maripan, and danger here in a shock. He struck again at the Stade Louis de. Belga, that's nicely done. Sissoko, a in the middle, and that's Thomason. 
And that's two. And that has been coming for Strasbourg. And the boos ring round the Stade Louis de. So that's a header from Mitrovic. And Strasbourg get another. Space for Adrian Silva. Doesn't make the most of it. Not a good clearance though. Straight to Ben Yedder. Jovetic. And still Stevin Jovetic. He's pulled one back. So Monaco won, Strasbourg three, and uh, frankly, it, it, it could have been even worse for uh, for Robert Moreno's side. Um, we know that defensively they're 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 poor. They've got problems. We saw Maripan making mistakes. We saw Glick uh, looking looking all at sea again, and it looks like the the old problems that we saw under Leonardo Jardim have have resurfaced after what was a fairly promising start for Robert Moreno. Certainly his first uh, league game where they went and, uh, and got a point at, at the Parc des Princes. But, uh, but Dave, are you, are you still as confident this team's going to finish in the top three? <laughs> well, this, this race for third is a bit like everyone's got to the start line and they've tied each other's shoelaces together because everyone stumbles all the time. There, there's, even Wren, who have that cushion now, you wouldn't back them to have a run through to the end of the season. No, but there are 10 teams above them in the race for three at the moment. Yeah, but look at the points differences. They're only four points back from Montpellier, eight points back from Rennes. They can make that up. They've got to stop conceding as many goals. I actually think their problem, as much as the central defence has a problem and the fullbacks aren't brilliant this season, what they're really lacking is someone to play alongside Timoe Bakayoko. I've done their cup games live from the stadium and... Um, when Bakioko was rested uh, last week when they played an amateur club, Saint-Privé-Saint-Hilaire in, in Orléans, in the midfield, in the central area, you had Jill Diaz, whose best position I don't really know, and Alexander Golovin as a deep-lying midfielder. It's just a, a bizarre well, Golovin, Yeah, Golovin again had to do a lot of the work along with Bakioko. They played uh, Fabregas a bit higher up the pitch and Fabregas really, really struggled. Two out of ten he got from, uh, from L'Equipe. This, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, guys, but we, we always say this. I mean, we're nearly in February now. We keep saying, Monaco, surely they're going to finish in the top three, and it just never happens. I mean, I'm, I am, I know it's early days with a new coach, and I think actually mentioning Cesc Fabregas, this is one of the things here. Obviously, Robert Moreno has an affinity with Cesc Fabregas, uh, clearly, you know, with their background, and, and they know each other, and he's probably come in and decided that he wants Fabregas to be a cornerstone of this team. Whereas I think Leonardo Jardim, in the latter weeks of his reign, was moving away from Fabregas. We saw him for. Technically, still a brilliant player, but you know, slow, not physical enough, perhaps for Ligue 1. And if you if you insist on making Fabregas a key player to the detriment of others, so Gullivan, for example, for me, has been one of the best players in Ligue 1 this season. I think he's a fantastic player. But if you're insisting on playing him in a deep midfield role to accommodate Fabregas higher up the field because you can't play Fabregas in a deeper role for, for because of the weaknesses he has, then that is a problem for your team. Monaco played well at the Parc des Princes. They played well because they were able to exploit PSG defensively because they have a brilliant attack. They also lost three goals in that game. And since then, what's happened? They've lost four goals at home to PSG when they weren't on it at all and three goals against Strasbourg. Admittedly, the first goal that Strasbourg scored, by the way, was a brilliant goal. Great team move, finished off by a player, Ludovic Ajork, who we're going to talk about, I think, again shortly. But Monaco have problems, and the longer the season goes on, eventually we maybe have to say, listen, this is a team who might well not finish in the top three. They might finish in the bottom half, the way they're going, which will be an improvement on last season. There, is, um, there is talk that Monaco are close to doing a deal for Aurelien Chouameni, the, the, the young Bordeaux midfielder who, who is strong and athletic and who, will, who would, I think, help um, considerably Bakayoko but there's yeah but I mean for me Monaco there's been there's been such a big turnover of players in the last few years that eventually there comes a point where you think listen 
let's just calm things down, try and build a team, maybe even with what you've got sometimes. But Guillermo Maripan, for example, meant to be the solution in their defence when they signed him in the summer. You know, he looks, he, he doesn't look up to it at the moment. I mean, there has to be a good player in there. But I mean, I saw Pierre Menez, who's a, a, a you know notorious pundit on French television, described uh, Guillermo Maripan last night as a tractor. You know, and I mean, the way in which he was beaten by the one of the Strasbourg players in the build-up to, to one of the goals... He was just so slow and uneasily beaten. But Thompson's goal as well. He didn't. He didn't. No, and that. that yeah, they have well. to sort out the midfield, but they they still have to sort out the defence. I'm Four glad. Goals, I'm three goals. Yeah. Three goals. I think goals, they do have enough games. good players to do it. And as as we just said, there's five points between fourth and fifteenth. It can change very very quickly. But this club is being run badly, isn't it? I mean, they seem to have this excellent duo in attack, Slimani and Ben Yedda, and for some reason, um, they've managed to alienate Slimani. Um, he had a sending off. He's been left out of, of a lot of matches and by all accounts, he wants to go. Um, and we know Manchester United and other teams are looking to bring him in on loan. He's currently on loan from, from Leicester City. So it's, it's, it's all quite complicated. But you just look at, you just wonder where this club is going, who is calling the shots. But also, also, if I can just say as well, I mean, let's not forget that Leonardo Jardim's last game was a 5-1 win at home against Lille. They'd won six <laughs> consecutive home league games. Robert Moreno comes in and they've lost 4-1, admittedly, against PSG and 3-1 to Strasbourg. And I, and I also but, said I think it's a huge gamble. Yeah, he, I, he may be a great coach, but he's not done anything yet. But is he the only league and coach who's previously worked in menswear? Ah, please explain. <laughs> no, just that Robert You're Moreno... about the Britpop band? <laughs> no, but Robert Moreno, I mean, I think you've, you've talked a bit about his past before, not going to go into that, but one of the things that Robert Moreno did uh, prior to becoming a, a coach was he worked in the menswear department of El Corte Inglés, which is the big department store oh, yeah. in Spain. That's all right. I delivered soft drinks out the back of a truck for a while in Australia. Freddie Lundberg modelled boxer shorts and stuff. I mean, and he's, he's been a Premier League coach. Has anyone... Thierry Henry it? sold cars. Did he? I oh, oh yeah, he didn't well. actually sell them. He did, did, did adverts. Well, yeah. I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> no, when I was saying that Monaco would definitely finish on the podium, that's when they were ticking along at two points per game under Leonardo Jardim. And that was just simple mathematics. If they carried on at two points per game, they were going to finish on the podium because the rest of the league and sides haven't been consistent enough. But since Moreno came in, as Andy says, they've not been taking as many I points. Will- you can forgive them only getting one point off PSG. But I will check that, Dave, but I'm pretty sure in the last podcast when Moreno was in charge, you said they'd finish top three. Okay. I also think Find Gil Diaz is quite a good fullback. I, can haven't, I, can uh, I yeah. haven't had a problem with can him. Can I just I say as well, I mean, I, I, and like Hendricks can apparently play a holding role in midfield as well. So they do have options. They they have, have well, they have lots of options. players, but also yeah. I think if you look beyond um, this, this is three league games and two of them against Paris Saint-Germain. The next three league games are Nîmes, Angers and Amiens. So let's maybe just see where they are after that but if they're still in the bottom half yeah but that nine in, points in, they'll be in the, nearly in the top three they'll, yeah, be, but if, they'll be fourth if they but if they're still wins. in the bottom half after those games then maybe we can you know cool the talk of, of finishing yeah, the you, Champions League you're, you're listening to uh, Andy Scott on Le Beaujeu the official Ligue 1 podcast you can contact us on social media using the hashtag Le Beaujeu or via email Ligue 1 Ligue 1 podcast at gmail.com just a, a, a word about Strasbourg Robbie uh, they were down near the bottom, they're now up in eighth position. Thierry Lory doing, uh, you know, working his magic once again. And uh, and Ludovic Ajorc uh, looking the part because, yes, eight league goals, it's not it's not going to win him the golden boot. But he, he's so much more than that. He contributes so much more than that to the game. He's uh, For those of you who don't know him, he is a little bit Olivier Giroud-esque in terms of his uh, his physique. He's a, he's a big a big fella, probably runs a bit faster than Giroud. Um 
and uh, and, he, I, I, and, I, I, and he's I doing like a good him. job. I isn't he? We all like him around this table. Surely he's a he's he's your big strong striker that is technically a little bit better than people probably give him credit for as well, and probably a little bit more intelligent than people give him credit for. He gets in good places. He's a team player. He works hard for his teammates, and uh, and he's scoring goals. And uh, last season, I think he started with a few injury problems, didn't he? And we only saw him glimpsingly. He started very well. Then we didn't see him for, for a few months. Then he came back. He finished the season very well with a, a Strasbourg side that won the Cup as well, which was a, a fantastic result for them. And, and now he's, he's doing the job. He's keeping out Motiba out of the side. He's playing that lone role where he has to be strong. Thierry Laurie loves that, having that big, strong striker up front as well. Everything points for him for me that this is an ideal situation for Azure. He's I'd like to open up a, a thing here because he, he hails from the island of La Réunion, which is a beautiful island in the Indian Ocean. And I'd like to know who around this table, who's your favourite player from La Réunion? I've got a few other names. Oof, oof. Dimitri Payet. Well, I was going to say Payet. Laurent Robert. Cinema Pongo. Yeah. Guillaume Waro. Guillaume Waro. So yeah, Waro, like Ajork, similarly tall. Waro got some French caps. I think he, technically he was slightly better than Ajork is, but I do like Ajork. Like Giroud, he's left-footed. So sort of gangly centre-forward. Powerful. They, they produce them in La Réunion. I've, I've been lucky enough to go there. Beautiful, beautiful island. Um, the only I think thing- they must have very strange shaped gardens as well because the, the whip that Payet and Robert in particular put on the balls, like, I, I sort of envision them having a, an L-shaped garden. The only, thing the, I, the only thing I found a bit, a bit difficult, and I don't want to complain, I know I'm really lucky to, to go to La Réunion, but you, you, you get on a plane for like 10 or 12 hours and you, and you get off. Not only are you surrounded by French people, because it's part of France. Are you but complaining you, about that? But no, no. <laughs> no, that's fine. But you come out and you and you go and do your shopping in Carrefour, and then you go to La Poste, and there's still the same problems that you have. And it's just kind of, as the French say, not as dépaysant. And I don't know how to say that in English. It's not as um, getting out, of, refreshing. Getting yeah, all. getting yeah. away from it all. Yeah. So anyway, but, when I was there, I was getting L'Equipe two or three days late. So that was quite good. <laughs> Ludovic Ajork, France, call up anybody? Ian Holyman, our producer, suggested he, he maybe is in the, the running. No. I, th- I think Ian was just short of things to write this week. So it's been that sort of weekend, I'm afraid. I He's only 25, but yes. Is he? I thought he was a bit we, older than that. No, well, that's, yeah, exactly. That's another thing. He's people, well, we seem to be a bit, your, your appreciation, your perceptions of Ludovic Ajork, I think he's better than most of them. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he And there are he so many, I think there are so many player. similarities with Giroud because he also... F- Fought his way up through the second division, didn't he? He's also left-footed, um, and and there Giroud you go. Started at Tour, didn't he? Before Montpellier, was he one of those Tour? Giroud boys? was at Tour, yeah, with uh, with yeah. Koscielny. Uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know why I made that link. Well, but Ajour comes from Clermont. Scored fourteen goals the season before coming up uh, joining Strasbourg. Let's have uh, a little interlude, shall we, Rob? Let's have a, a little interview interlude with our with our newish segment. It's not new because we did do one uh, last week, and in fact. Um, we're going to give the result of last week's Deja Who, where you have to guess who we're talking about. The clue was I made my Ligue 1 debut in August 2007, coming off the bench for a minute against Valenciennes. Albert Eamon was my coach. Um, I'm from a football family and I played uh, in the World Cups in 2010 and in 2014. We had a guess, uh, an incorrect one, I'm afraid, from Samuel J, the Australian Leon fan on Twitter. Um, he suggested Mamadou Sacco who I seem to remember did make, I think he captained PSG against Valenciennes. When he was, was against Valenciennes. It was he against was 17, yeah. Okay. Given but by Paul Le Guin was his coach at that time. Not Albert Amon. We've got a, a confident email from uh, Pierre Fager from, uh, from Sweden who says, 
Um, he enjoyed the fun new segment. Since I know my Olympique de Marseille, I can tell you it's Mathieu Valbuena. Ba-bow. Sorry, Pierre, you're wrong. But I did check. I think Valbuena, I think, made his debut in 2006. He did play out under Albert Amon. But we have a lucky winner, Patrick Brisebois, um, who, who guessed right. And it is, of course, Andre Ayew. Jordan. Andre? Andre Ayew. It's Andre Ayew. <laughs> yes, because, yes, it's absolutely Andre. And who's, who's his dad? His dad is uh, a chap Ayou. named Abide Pele, who uh, played in one of Marseille's best teams, played with Chris Waddle and the like. Definitely not a flat track bully, Abide Pele. No. Not a flat track bully, which, you know, in case people are wondering what a flat track bully is, because it's a bit of a cricket expression, and I know that we are guilty sometimes of doing that. So a flat track in, in cricket is quite an easy kind of pitch to, to play on. So there are batsmen who are very good on flat tracks and we call them a flat track bully. But as soon as they come up against a difficult, um, you know, a difficult wicket like Borussia Dortmund and Icardi, um, they, they, they struggle. Let, let, let's move on and we're going to have our deja vu for this week. So listen in closely. I am a South American striker. I used to play for Porto. I scored a Coupe de France final winner. It's not easy. It's not easy, but we welcome your guesses. Perhaps you know it. Angel Di Maria played for Benfica and scored a Coupe de la Ligue winner. So it can't be him. Ooh, not bad. Not a bad shout. You can um, send your answers in using the hashtag on Twitter. Um, hashtag Deja Who. Deja, D-E-J-A-W-H-O. And uh, we will find your your responses. I think there's and an we L-1. An L1 at the end of that Deja Who hashtag as well. Okay, well, okay. The hashtag <laughs> now has evolved. It's Deja Who L1 because we, we found too many hashtags Deja Who. Somebody, somebody got our idea before us. So D-E-J-A-W-H-O-L-1. We look forward to seeing your answers. Now, moving back to the football, plenty of action at the weekend. And uh, Leon... On the up again, Leon doing okay. They were uh, victorious at the weekend against Toulouse, and your commentator for this one was Robbie Thompson, or is Robbie Thompson? Now, Corne, Corne, oh, through the legs of Kalinic, and Maxwell Corne, playing his 200th match for Olympic Lyonnais, has fired the home side in front. Not uh, dour exactly, but a match of few chances as Marcel. Has the shot and goes again. The cut back. And Dembele gets his goal. Here's Dembele. The control was nice. Dembele's still going. Still Dembele. A little touch. This is beautifully done. And the chance for Toko Akambi to score on his debut as well. Robbie, another good victory for Lyon. 3-0. It's now 12 defeats in a row for Toulouse, including 11 in the league, um, Toulouse are gone, aren't they? First, let's let's get this exactly. out of the way. I wouldn't accuse Leon of being uh, flat track bullies necessarily, but a three-one win against a Toulouse side, Toulouse, three nil. It, it's 3-0. actually pretty sad the, to to see them how they came out. They were clearly as individuals, they were they were trying, but there was no cohesion. That you, you literally saw players walking around. That the the passes are not hitting their marks. There's a real negative feel and I don't think it's from a, a that they're not quality players that they're not good enough they have good players like William Vanker in, in midfield uh, Ibrahim Songare is is good they have they have league and players um, but it's just not working it's just not clicking they have their third coach now 
in Denny Zanko. Um, it's it's very very tough for for them. For Leon, they they didn't really need to get out of second gear. It just happened for them. They 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 got their goals and look a, a straightforward victory for Leon. Toulouse, Toulouse are not easy for Anglo commentators with Willy Vanker and, and Zanko and people like that, are they, Robbie? You got to be a bit careful. I guess so. Dave, <laughs> Leon, top three, no? Oh, why not? <laughs> no, they've got a chance if they can yeah. keep the run going, if they don't have more injuries. I, I like the, the signing of Toko Ekombi, who's a proven league and player. He's a proven and, goal scorer everywhere. And, and exactly the sort of player they needed with Memphis Depay and Jeff Wren Adelaide out. So, um, yeah, I'm impressed with that little bit of business. And uh, I think they're going to be active again before the, the transfer window closes. Yeah, they're fifth. They're fifth at the moment. They're... Um not far behind Montpellier in fourth. They're five points behind behind Rennes. Um, Juninho did confirm uh, on Sunday night that Luca Tussar is signing for her to Berlin, but will stay at Lyon on loan. And um, he said that they are 95% certain of signing Bruno Guimaraes, a Brazilian, very talented Brazilian midfielder by all accounts, captain of the Brazil Olympic team. Um what that you th- worked what- out well with Thiago Maia, didn't it? He, well, that- he was brilliant in the Olympic team. But- That's what I was going to say. And also, you've got it's, Jean- it's very you've tricky got- for Brazilian players to come in in January. That um- you've got Jean Lucas as well, who's who yeah. struggled. Is this going to be a you Jean know? Lucas an- wasn't in the squad yesterday for yeah. for yesterday's game as well. He was one of Silvino's men. They, they, they do think they do think. I mean, pe- people have I've heard it said that they think this is a real coup because Atletico Madrid were, were in for Bruno Guimaraes as well, and they've had um, the, the, the fullback at Atletico Renan Lodi has, has, has done quite well. It's, it's it's not always the case that players come from Brazil and are not up to scratch. It, it can be the surroundings, it can be other things, but the quality might be there. So we'll see with Bruno Guimaraes. I mean, um, will he really add to that midfield? I don't know. It's always complicated for anybody coming in January. I think you look at a team like Toulouse. I mean, imagine being a player targeted by Toulouse in the January window. They need to they need desperately to make signings, but what player wants to go there? Whereas Lyon's a little bit different. It's a club who can make it into the top three. You've still got the last 16 of the Champions League to come. Lots to play for, still involved in both cup competitions. And, and they're still, well, they're, they're creeping up the table now, suddenly in fifth place. And we said with Rudy Garcia that he was the type of coach, we said a couple of weeks ago, given that we're still repeating ourselves, that he's, if he rides that wave, he's a very good coach. When the team is positive, when the results are positive, Things can go, and and he knows how to keep a squad riding a wave, and that's a that's a, a certain skill for a coach as well. Um, and that's and, what's and it seems as moment. though the the Dembele chat has calmed down a little bit now. It does six We're, goals in six for Dembele, who's uh, yeah been linked with almost almost every Premier League club, um, but it, it does look like he's staying put. I mean, Olas has said there's no way no way he's going before the they summer. can't afford to lose him. They they need their goal scorer if they're going to fulfil their season's objectives. As we're going through all the stuff that we've said in previous shows, let's go back to when I said that Neymar would finish top scorer. He's only one behind with some Ben Yedder now. Yeah, but who said Ben Yedder? Armel and me. So we're still just about ahead. Although- I was very impressed with Wissam Ben Yedder at the Parc des Princes in that in that three three. He it was very, and I spoke to Marquinhos afterwards, and it was, yeah, quality quality footballer. Leon's uh, Leon's next match is away to Nice. Nice, one of those clubs, sort of hovering in in mid table. They they got a draw. They were one 0 up against Rennes. Got got pegged back. I think Flavian Tate got the equaliser. Robbie, that's right. Yep. The game After that you were commentating there. Mbappé making a nuisance of himself. Um, it was a really entertaining match, and I I'll admit I had I wasn't, you know, I didn't go into my commentary thinking I was in for a for a great evening, and uh, I was surprisingly very happily surprised. 
21 shots at goal for Nice, 18 for Rennes. That's a, you know, a and chance on goal, a shot on goal every two and a half minutes in a, Dolberg, in a match Dolberg of football. Dolberg and Unas looking, looking a bit better now, having had quite yeah, slow on, starts, honestly, Unas in particular. I was a little bit disappointed by Unas because I think he's got a, he can offer a bit more. He did provide a, a couple of good crosses, particularly in the first half. But for me, he's still a little bit lightweight. He needs to be more consistent, um, but he's, he's got the talent, no doubt about that. Dolberg as well is, uh, is a Icardi-esque player in that he's, uh, he's just there in the, in the box waiting, making those runs in behind, looking for that, for that one-touch finish. And uh, he looks the goods. I disagree. No, I, thought- I think he brings quite a lot. No, like in terms, of, I, well, maybe I'm I'm undervaluing Icardi, but I think right. Dolbo's quite a like strong presence, target man. No, goes in behind. Well, not that we didn't really. To be fair, we really didn't see much of the front four for Nice on for a side that had 21 shots at goal. Um, it was they they played with an interesting formation where Danilo Barbosa did a reverse Marquinhos, stepped from central defence into midfield. So they changed their formation perpetually with or without the ball to between three at the back and four at the back. And it caused Ren all sorts of tactical problems. Um, nice deserved probably to win it. Flaviente got his first goal for Ren in the league as well. It's been a, a slow road for him. Um, looks like he's starting to impose himself. He cost 9 million euros all the same. Yeah, he was a good player Angers. though, Angers, wasn't he? Good player. Yeah. And, but so, he, has, he struggled to settle in. Really positive match of football. Excellent advertisement for Ligue 1 as well. Well, Dave uh, Crossan had a, a wonderful advertisement for Ligue 1, uh, or not. But um, th- there was a, a very, um, very sad element, of course, to the, to the Nantes-Bordeaux game. It's uh, just over a year now since uh, Emiliano Sala, um, the former Nantes striker, died tragically um, in that aeroplane crash. Um, he was also a former Bordeaux player. And uh, we'll listen to, um, to Dave's commentary at uh, the Stade de la Bourgeois as Nantes took on Bordeaux. It's the ninth minute, and that means songs sung in tribute to Emiliano Sala, Nantes' former number nine. That number has been retired by the club. The lyrics to the song. He's an Argentinian who never gives up on anything. Emiliano Sala, Emiliano Sala. It was first sung about a week or so on from Sala's death in the home game against Saint-Étienne. And it has become a Stade de la Bourgeois anthem. And yellow for Girotto. That means a red. He was already carded in the 17th minute. And Girotto, who has defended very well, for 54 minutes is now off. The draw will leave them in fifth place at the end of the weekend. If they can hold on to it as Mexer crosses. Brion with his 98th league angle has probably won this for Bordeaux. The day, first of all, the um, the tribute that, that the Nantes uh, supporters paid to Salah was it was absolutely phenomenal. I'm sure a lot of mm. people have seen it on, on social media. Um, what was it what was it like from your point of view commentating? It was a very emotional occasion and uh, it was well trailed what was going to happen uh, in that game on Sunday afternoon in terms of the tributes to Salah but still it was as you say it was it was breathtaking and very emotional to see the the tifos to see the two play two sets of players gathered together watching uh, that Tifo being unveiled, the highlights of Salah's career on the big screen, the songs in tribute to the, to the late striker. 
and it, it was very nicely done with uh, both sides wearing special commemorative shirts as well nonce inspired by argentina uh with the proceeds going to clubs where um salah played when he was very young and bordeaux with the argentinian flag and salah's initials on their shirt sadly the game didn't live yeah, up I was to say, the tribute do you, do you, but do you think well, it was um, impacted by you know everything that went on was it hard for the players to sort of get up and play? The non-captain Abdoulaye Touré said no, but um, I, I don't think it was a lack of effort that um, led to the game being so poor. It was a lack of quality that both sides could have done with a, a striker of Salah's quality in their ranks. Um, Renaud Emon has come in to Nantes and he barely had a kick. He wasn't found. He's got some characteristics which are a bit similar to Salah's, very similar in stature, puts himself about, works hard, and, and that's something that, Everyone loved about Emiliano Sala, not the most naturally gifted player, but always worked, always put in a job for the team. Uh, Bordeaux, in the end, got their goal through Brion, who, uh, as we're using cricket terms, is in the nervous 90s, but getting there, getting there towards getting his there. 100. 98, 98 not out after nearly 450 games in Liga. It's been a marathon innings from the 34-year-old. Um, yeah, he boy, could do with a bit of flat track bullying to get himself <laughs> over the 100. Just to I, I, can yeah, I just say, I, at the risk of sounding callous, it, I don't think that the players would be feeling emotional or, or distressed about the passing of Emilio, Sanna, uh, Emilio Sala a year on. They come into a game like this ready, ready to play. If anything, happy to play for his memory. I don't think they'll be they'll be unfocused or thinking, "Oh God." And it's not that's not a negative thing about the memory of Emiliano Sala. That's just saying, look, it was a year ago. They're footballers. And they, if he was a former teammate of theirs, they I think want to play the, I well think the starting players perhaps were like that, but you could see the substitutes or those who weren't involved. We know that Nicola Palwa was Salah's best mm, friend. Yeah. And he, he was emotional. Samuel Mutusami, who was on the bench, you could see the tears in his eyes when the, the video highlights were being played and he was looking around the stadium. I think, yeah, I think atmospheres make a bigger difference than, than we realise in that, you know, in, in every sense, really. And so you I see, do sound callous then. Yeah, you sound a bit callous. You sound a bit callous. And c- c- could I just um, just say, because I think a lot of people have seen the video that Nant put out there of, 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 of the tribute, and there were these figures, six of them, or possibly seven. So I've, I've, I've jotted them down. Seth Adoncourt, who um, is a former Nant player who tragically died young. He was um, Marcel Desailly's half-brother, I think. Um, Philippe Gondé, a former striker. Uh, in the 60s, because Nantes are a historical club. He scored 146 goals in 195 And, and the games. minute's applause was also for him. It was also for Philippe Gondé. For Philippe Gondé as well. Um, Henri Michel, former France manager. He managed Nantes and uh, played for Nantes as well. Philippe Daguillon, who was a physio at Nantes for 33 years. He died uh, just over a year ago at the age of 58. Jean-Vincent José Arriba, who are two of the legendary coaches um, who created um, the Jeu à la Nantes um, and Dave assures me that Jean-Claude Suodo was, was in there who, who, who is the legend Mr. Nantes um, I think if you're going to single anyone out but, but who is still alive he's still alive he's still in his 80s was I, it I, not I admit, Henri I Michel was I, he not yeah, there yeah, I, mentioned I, him I, up, I, I think. didn't recognise everyone on that I'm going to own up to that well it's not uh, easy Philippe Gondé I think is the last Frenchman to score over 30 goals in a Ligue 1 season I think Killian yeah. was look, aiming for his record last year and but didn't what a quite class, get there. It was 1966-67. I think he got 36. Yeah. I just want to say, campaign. I think they're, you know, they're a classy football club. Sometimes mm. we, we, we find that they're not the best team to commentate or watch at the moment. It's not like it was in the 70s. But they've got a lot of class. And actually, every single game 
um, in the ninth minute or is it the tenth minute it's from nine minutes on yeah. they chant Emiliano Salah's name and it is always emotional um, like Montpellier with their uh, with Louis Nicolas 75, 74 uh, absolutely so we're, we're coming to a close on a, on a, on a fairly sad note um, but uh, we it's all, important to remember. It's history. important to remember, and I think we all we all um, have very fond recollections of uh, Emiliano Sala, and uh, he will live long in uh, in Liga memories. But uh, we're going to look ahead to the next round of matches, and we're going to um, decide what we fancy next weekend. So, um, yeah, the strikes are, are they over, guys? Because I don't take too much public transport. But it's, it's, I don't think so. Friday was another nightmare, wasn't it? Last Friday. Well, yes and no is the answer to that, Matt. They, they yeah. come and go. Okay, well, look, I mean, you, you've got the option of PSG Montpellier if you want to walk to the Parc des Princes and not take any, any trains. But um, let's, um, let's have a look and go on a bon voyage. Yeah, um, so there are a, a lot of very good games uh, this coming weekend. Uh, Brittany Derby, the game in Paris you mentioned, Bordeaux, Marseille we touched upon, Nice, Lyon. So I'm going to go to Amiens and I'm going to watch Amiens play Toulouse, uh, partly because it's not too far away from Paris, which is my home. Um, and um, also partly because it's a very, very important game because if Toulouse uh, lose this, they'll be, what, nine points behind Amiens and uh, probably dead and buried. Whereas if they win it, they've lost their last... 47 league on games I think or something like that so if they can finally end that run and win it then suddenly they might have a little bit of hope so that's where I'm going to go Le match de la peur as they say Dave what, what about you? Yeah I'm going to go with Nice Lyon because uh, I'm going to be there on Thursday for the French Cup game and the same two teams meet three days later I'll just extend my stay in the Cote d'Azur I've looked at the weather forecast I know you're a big fan of the weather in the south of France 15 degrees and sunny oh, wow. Also you can get off to the skiing slopes quite, quite easily from Nice um, uh, uh, Robbie, sorry. Uh, this weekend, Toulouse had not won in Lyon and still haven't won in Lyon since 1966. It's a curious thing that these things can keep repeating themselves, that teams just can't win. So obviously, Sunday, there's one the most famous uh, winless streak Hoodoo. in French football history as well. Bordeaux entertained Marseille, not since 1977, as Matt said earlier in, in this pod, 42 years, 43 now that uh, Amazing. Marseille haven't won in Bordeaux and there's just no reason for it. Marseille in the, in the 90s were one of the best teams in, in the world and yet they could never win in Bordeaux. Now Marseille are back in uh, goodish form. Bordeaux showing signs of life. It w- should be a good match and, and again we'll see just why Marseille can't win in Bordeaux. Yeah, Bernard Tappi used to find a way of beating anybody but Bordeaux um, could, not be, could not be beaten. I'm going to go to Brittany. I'm going to go to Rose on Park because I, I love it there and I know that the, uh, the atmosphere will be brilliant when Nantes come. That's going to be on Friday night, so fingers crossed uh, for the trains. And unlike uh, Mikel Silvestre, I prefer Rose on Park to Old Trafford because uh, David Crossan did ask Mikel which, which stadium um, he preferred playing in. And uh, incredibly, the man who came through the ranks at Wren opted for Old Trafford. But we forgive him. He was uh, a great interviewee. You can check out Mikel Silvestre's interview with Dave on our um, podcast page, Le Bourgeois. That um, concludes the, uh, the podcast this week. Thank you very much for coming in, gentlemen. Thank you, Matt. For Thanks, Matt. Uh, well, from Thank David Crossan, from Andy Scott, Robbie Thompson and me, Matt Spiro. It's time to say goodbye. I'll see you again soon. Au revoir. Bye-bye. Oh, what a strike. An absolute beauty from Florian Tomac. 
and surely won it in the 89th minute. Oh, yeah.